Well, hello, this is Jimmy P. Brown II, and you're listening to The Fractured Brain. Well, it's another day uh, during the, the pandemic. Um, it's very strange air in, uh, in the world, as, by large, there's no question, um, you know, and, and it's funny, I've, I've received so many, uh, emails and, and messages, you know, on some of my posts on, uh, on Facebook and, uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of followers on Twitter, which is probably a good thing. Cause I definitely like to, uh, throw some little tidbits out there as well. Um, but yes, you know, uh, it's funny. People have actually asked me, you know, when, you know, you know, when you say Dr. Mengele, you know, who are you referring to or the actual Dr. Mengele? And it's like, well, no, Dr. Mengele is dead. Uh, I'm talking about his predecessor, uh, or, or, or rather, you know, the, the, the man who's, uh, <laughs> whom Mangala was a predecessor for, the good doctor himself that we're uh, all having to pay attention to, and somehow we've all placed our faith in uh, this Dr. Fushi, like I like to call him. Um, the guy, it's strange, from minute one that he entered, you know, I didn't see his name from the first moment I saw him on, uh, the telly and I said to myself, you know, this guy, this little weasel, uh, there is just something so dishonest, untrustworthy, and this guy cannot be believed. He's, he has another agenda and, you know, and, and every press conference, you know, he's just there, he's there, he's there, he's just, he's talking, he has his little gravelly voice and his, in his, uh, you know, his, uh, charming little Brooklyn accent that, that for whatever reason has drawn in, uh, you know, America to pay attention to him and to what he says. But the reality is, is, uh, I remembered reading the name and, you know, like I've told all of you before, uh, you know, I have no problem with stating that, you know, conspiracies and everything else like that, of that nature, have always fascinated me, have always, uh, you know, I mean, since I was a child, uh, I, I uh, you know, I got into reading, uh, you know, about <clears throat> JFK and, of course, you know, uh, aliens and, and uh, you know, the, the, the assassination of JFK primarily was, was a big one for me. I mean, I, I actually went to our public library there in Bellflower, California, to, to, to request, you know, that they somehow, some way get in the, you know, 22 volumes of the Warren Commission. I was so intrigued. And, and again, you know, I'm an early teen. Uh, and this is pre the movie JFK uh, by Ollie Stone that was, you know, combined every single conspiracy theory out there and then some and threw them and just mashed them all up together. Some some of it was based on Garrison's book, uh, but I remember reading Jim Garrison's book, uh, you know, as a as an early teen, and and just going, wow, you know, there there definitely is something here, um, you know, 
in, in other words, there's just always been this error and, and, and the central intelligence agency has always fascinated me, you know, their, their, their work in, in, uh, you know, espionage and the intelligence community, <clears throat> uh, has just, you know, and what really fascinated me is obviously that, you know, they were instituted a long time ago, but, you know, we had president Eisenhower who, who, you know, talked about the military industrial complex and, and, you know, and then we, and then, then following him, you have Kennedy saying he wants to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and blow them to the wind, you know? Um, and it always fascinated me. And throughout the years, I've actually met uh, several, I mean, several uh, people who have worked for the CIA, and they've popped in and out of my life, uh, all my life. Uh, in fact, one um, that I, I actually worked with, I, I worked with uh, through the record label that I, I was with and, and he, and he had actually worked there. He became so, uh, we would, we would talk so much about all this stuff that he went and, uh, he actually arranged an IQ test for me. And, you know, I always, I always wondered why, and it was a long test. It was, it was, you know, good four hours. And we went to this place and, 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 uh, I won't name where, but I, I was surprised that we were, allowed entrance <laughs> and he had entrance no problem he had id to get in and, and i was really really kind of rather uh, a little awestruck and, and blown away and uh and at the same time you know quite frightened um i'd already read about mk ultra and <laughs> you know all these other things and you know i just had no idea what it was and it was simply to measure my intelligence and, and, and to find out, you know, where I was. And at first I thought I was there to be, to be bled for information. And, 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 um, no, it was just simply to measure, you know, what is the IQ? And it, and it was a separate, uh, uh, they, they, they go through each hemisphere of the brain and they, they test your intelligence that way. And I remember him being so disappointed by the results. Um, you know, a week later, um, that, uh, you know, just right brain hemisphere, you know, he said, you know, your, your right brain activity is, is pretty much off the charts genius. And I was like, wow, that's great. Uh, I don't know what that means. And he gave me the number and, and, and he said, you know, you're, you're, you chart really well there, but you know, left brain, you're, you're pretty much average. I mean, you're like right at average, uh, which means you're pretty much a useless person. Uh, and he said it as, as kindly and as, and, as, and as actually comical as possible. And I thought it was funny um, because, you know, we were friends and, and, uh, and uh, I, I just, you know, I didn't understand why he even wanted to know. And what it was is I just expressed so much interest in the agency. And the one thing that you know, you learn about the agency is that you never leave it. Even though you retire, you never truly leave it. And uh, throughout the years, you know, people have surrounded me, like I said, that, that you know, just check on me, that, that, that come and see how I'm doing. And, and uh, you know, they, they, they slip in and out of my life and they somehow, some way are connected to this person. And, and they always say, you know, he says, hello. And, uh, and at times have even have even helped me. 
um, when I was in tight spots and, and, uh, really strange, strange things, uh, throughout the years. And so all of this has always intrigued me ever since, like I said, ever since I was a, a young teenager, um, so it's no surprise and it's no shock uh, to anybody who knows me that this pandemic um, is something that, uh, you know, honestly has been, I, I'm watching as it unravels. I mean, we, we've never seen it on such a grand scale. I mean, this is something that we uh, in our lifetime have never seen happen. Um, you know, we have still people that are old enough to have remembered, you know, WW2 and, uh, you know, kind of the whole world, you know, at a, at a strange standstill, but nothing like this. Um, this is, uh, very, very strange and it's, you know, and, and anybody, excuse me, anybody who looks at it and says, you know, it's coincidental or it, it really just is about the, the virus it is out of their minds because you cannot, uh, you know, you, you have the, uh, left wing, which is really, really strange that all this starts happening and they're not concerned really about, you know, people dying and everything else. They, of course they mention it in their speeches. They give their condolences and they say that, you know, how heartfelt they feel, but the, the main thing they're concerned about is keep everybody in their homes and let's talk about the vote in November and we'll mail in the vote. Why is anybody even thinking about that? Um, here, the president is going to be rerunning, obviously. And, you know, this was his time to start his campaign and everything else. But then this came and kind of, you know, hauled it and stopped it in its tracks and you didn't hear him mentioning it. You didn't hear him mentioning anything about, you know, the 2020 election or what's going to happen in November 3rd and what's going to, you know, you know, you know, let's let's work together so that way we can make, you know, this so I can continue a great work or any. I mean, you, you haven't you didn't hear anything from that side, from the right. Um, and it's like, wow, what is going on here? This is, you know, in fact, you heard him mention that this is global. This is world. This is something bigger than an election. It's something bigger than, you know, um, just, just about a vote. Um, we're talking about people's lives here and civil liberties being taken away. And, you know, with all the governors in control, you know, at first I, I, I really thought to myself, you know, the only true way to really get through this is to genuinely go in there and take absolute control. Martial law needs to happen across the states and we need uh, control over this because these governors, for the most part, a lot of them are just morons. And but, but now I see the genius behind it. Because allowing the governors to actually dictate what happens in their state, which by all means it really should be, um, you've actually seen, you know, the people who are bought and paid for standing up and, and really going for this, what I, I don't like to call a left-wing agenda. I like to call it a globalist agenda. I like to call an agenda to, you know, bring us to a one-world order. 
the thousand points of light that, that were spoken about so many times. And of course, Kissinger, you know, with his thing. So now uh, everybody thinks to themselves, okay, my God, you know, Jimmy, you know, you've never been a political commentator. And, and, and quite honestly, I'm, I've not, I've, I've really, I, I've studied it. I've like, I like reading about it. I like learning about these things and, and what's going on. And of course I, I will entertain anything, um, you know, from, you know, the, 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 the flat earth theory to the, uh, you know, the Acacian Chronicles or the, the Acacian library that's out in the universe that we draw from. And, and of course, you know, the, the, the civilization that, you know, Admiral Byrd, uh, discovered back in the forties, you know, at, at, at Antarctica and the land beyond the ice and, you know, I, I love reading about this stuff. I love, you know, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I'm a reader. I'm not really a person to sit in front of the tube. Uh, I don't really like to watch a lot of TV unless it's something that entertains me. And even then, that which entertains me, it has to be something I really, really like. And, uh, you know, which, uh, of course, some of you know, uh, my wife, uh, her cousin, um, is uh, the creator of the X-Files. And, you know, I, I just fell in love with that show. And, and, and it was the, the hilarious part about it. I'd been watching it for, oh my gosh, about two years and never even knew. I mean, never even knew. Uh, actually, no, it was, it was closer to three, three years. Uh, and uh, I'd never even known it was her cousin, you know, who had developed the show. And, we're sitting there um, watching, you know, she finally says, you know, I, I want to watch this show that you're so into. And uh, so she sits with me on a Sunday night. We watch it. And because uh, me and Manny had already been way into the X-Files. And, and I remember sitting with Terry Taylor in the studio. And we, You know, Manny starts talking about it. And, and of course, Terry's like, oh, God, you got to watch it. If anything, Jimmy, you know, I know you'd find it fascinating for the soundscapes because the music is just fantastic and there's these great lush soundscapes throughout uh, they do a really good job and uh, so I started watching it and I just I just fell in love with the show and obviously it's just rife with conspiracy um, and it's uh, it's a great show <laughs> and I'm sitting there and it's it's 1996 and me and Helen you know Helen decides to sit and watch it with me and, you know, the episode ends and she's just like, that is a horribly creepy show. That's exact word. She's like, this is a horribly creepy show. Uh, I don't see how you like it. And then, you know, all of a sudden developed by Chris Carter. And she's like, hey, that's my cousin's name. I'm like, uh-huh. You know, and I just, uh, I just we just started. Uh, and, and it had been a running joke between Helen and I since we were kids. Because, uh, again, uh I met Helen, you know, when we were 12, 13 years old. And, you know, I'd always heard about this cousin, Chris Carter, Chris Carter. He works at Surfer Magazine. And then, you know, he has, he holds this degree and he went to this college and he went to Berkeley and he went to, you know, I mean, just UCLA and you went to USC and he went to this and he's this and he's intelligent and smart. And, oh, he wrote for Disney and that, 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 I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never met the man. I never met this, this incredible Chris Carter that she was just absolutely, just totally super proud of in their family that, you know, this, that, you know, had all these accomplishments and I, and, and, uh, so 
you know, all these years later, remember this is back in 82, 83, when she's, I first heard about it and I've never met him. And, uh, and then, you know, 96, now we're sitting there and she goes, Oh, that's my cousin's name. You know? And I'm like, uh, huh. and, uh, it, it just let, you know, just left it at that. Just said, you know, it's a coincidence. And then, you know, a year later, uh, her grandmother passes and, uh, there he is there, there, there's Chris Carter. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's Chris Carter. And she goes, yeah, that's my cousin. I go, no, that's the creator of the X-Files. <laughs> Because I had already been seeing him, you know, I'd already, I'd, I'd already seen interviews with him, and 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 uh, you know, I'm one of those people that when I watch a show, I, I investigate, dig deep into everybody, the actors, their ages, their bio, their you know stats. Their, I mean, I just I you know want to know where they came from, why they do what they do, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that's just me. I'm one of these people that just likes to kind of know everything, especially of what I'm going to watch. I mean, like another show that I absolutely adored was Frasier. Uh, and, and I, you know, dove into Kelsey Grammer and David Allen Pierce. And, you know, I just, I wanted to know more and more about them, you know, and, you know, obviously it was a spinoff from Cheers and I wasn't really a humongous fan of Cheers. I liked, uh, uh, of course, Diane's, uh, character, uh, and, and of course, you know, the, the, you know, the, the bartender, whatever his name is, Sam Malone. Um, but all this, all that to say this, I, I very, very rarely watch. There's only a few shows that I'll watch and that I'll like, like, and, and invest my time in, but, uh, just, you know, watching anything and everything that runs on the tube just really, really aggravates me. I'm more of a reader. So, uh, and I love to read, I love to read, 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 read. People send me videos all the time. You know, you got to watch this video. You got to watch this video. And I'm thinking to myself, God, isn't there a periodical that I could read, you know, rather than just sitting and watching and just, I don't know. There's something a little <clears throat> strange and mesmerizing, mesmerizing. I didn't like it when we, we, we had our glues, you know, our eyes glued to the flickering light on the box, let alone, you know, now the flickering light on our on our cell phones and our iPads and our, and, uh, computer screens, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, we deal with that stuff enough as it is. And, and, uh, I just, uh, I, I just, like I said, I've always been a reader, like to read. So when my eyes started, uh, really, really started to fail me a couple of years ago, I was just distraught, you know, because I love to read and, and, uh, and uh, I just, but I didn't want to wear glasses and, and, uh, had to go get my eyes checked and prescription. And oddly enough, I, I received my first prescription for glasses when I was 10. I just refused to wear them. But, uh, and it was just for astigmatism back then, but now, you know, yeah, you know, age comes, you know, I'm 50, it you know, deteriorates, things deteriorate. I guess I just didn't eat enough carrots. Um, but I love to read, so there's all these things. But when this particular situation that we all find ourselves in now has happened, it is just not coincidental. It's not something strange. It's part of a plan. And uh, I said in my last broadcast, you know, of course, I get the emails that are, you know, you know, is is this the end of the age? Of this, is this the end of the world? Uh, is is the second coming happening? Is is so and so the antichrist? And and you know, I'm very very careful about you know going and trying to analyze those things. Um, 
And part of it is because I, I think what's always kept me is obviously a, we've got the, you know, the corny false prophets throughout the years, you know, first, you know, Christ was going to come back in 72 and then 76 and then 79 and, um, you know, and then 88 marked the, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the generation now since Israel had become a state and, you know, this generation will pass without seeing the second coming. And then, you know, Oh, 40 years is a generation. And so everybody thought, and everybody's looking for the second coming and, in 88 and then when it didn't happen and then other people just keep making prediction after prediction after prediction and so i've always been very very careful because the apocrypha the 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 style of writing in which john chose to write the book of revelation you know was a very popular style of writing and um when you really dive deep into it i mean you you, i mean you really got to get in there dig uh, a, a lot of what he was writing was about that current day, about what was happening then, because, you know, he, he'd already been hearing the reports there on Patmos that, you know, Christians are being fed to lions, you know, uh, you know, it, it's become now a, a, a spectacle, a sport, as it were, uh, of people, you know, gathering in masses to go and watch Christians being fed to the lions. Um, I mean, think about that just for one second, how horrific that is. And this was happening. And, you know, uh, he then, the, the, the disciples then were looking for the second coming at that time. They really believed Nero was the Antichrist you know, Caesar Nero. So, uh, you know, you know, we all can speculate and we all can try to find and see and try to make these, these, uh, the scriptures fit our particular agenda. But the reality is, as I always hold to the no man knows the hour of the day and, you know, he's going to come like a thief in the night. And so, you know, I, I've always held to that. And, because I always laughed, I never understood of how people just became so fearful about, oh my God, the second coming, it's, it's, this is going to happen. It's like, yeah, but where's your faith? You know, it's like, if you believe in your, your heart and you know that you're serving Christ and you're following the Lord, then what are you worried about? You know, you stand firm in your faith. And if you believe in a rapture and the rapture is going to happen and we're going to be caught up together uh, in, in the air to be with the Lord, then, hey, you'll pop away. That's the end of it. And if you're one of those that believes that, you know, we're going to endure the tribulation, well, we go through it. You know, we go through it together and, and we but we make our stand and the true separating of the wheat and chaff happens then. But again. Have to be careful, and and so I've never speculated in all my years of of studying eschatology, and wanting to know more and more about the last days and and different things. I just always made it more of an effort of just wanting to know, and especially know what the writers then were going through in their day and their time, and and know things can be prophetic. Um, 
And of course, you know, all the references to the books of Enoch and, you know, because, you know, people don't even know about Enoch and, you know, for whatever reason, it was left out of the, uh, the canon. They just tossed him to the side, which makes no sense because Jesus referenced Enoch, Jude referenced Enoch, I believe Paul referenced Enoch and yet, uh, or Peter and, and yet no, no mention you know, or or we just decided, eh, let's throw it out, you know, not not have it be a part of it when they assembled the the final canon for uh, the 1611 KJV. And it's just very strange. But if you can get your hand on a, on a copy of those books, there's some uh, there's some interesting stuff in there. Very, very prophetical and very cool. Um and then you gotta you gotta sift and you gotta dig through and you can't take everything for face value. And the reason I say that, when people say that, when I say that to people, it makes them so fearful. What do you mean I can't take things for face value out of the scripture? Oh, remember, they used archaic language back then. They didn't know how to describe you know, they didn't have the words that we have now to describe certain things. So, you know, when 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 they just you know, when they talk about, you know an iron dragon flying through the sky, breathing fire, you know, they they didn't know how to say, you know, a a military jet, you know, shooting nuclear arms, you know? So, and, and, and that goes with just not only that, it goes with everything, you know, that there's just a lot of things that you have to really go in there and dig. (sighs) Okay. All that aside, I always promise you that the circling, my, 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 my conversations will do this. They will always, even when I'm having them with myself like this, uh, I, I do a huge circle, but I always come back to my point. Uh, <laughs> I always do. And I promise that. So the point being is it's keeping your eyes and ears open. Just look, see, smell, taste, touch, and trust your gut. You know, we have these senses for a reason. And, uh, and like I said, Fushi's out there, you know, propagating his thing. I didn't even know who he was, but I knew immediately. My gut just said, man, I can't trust this dude. And, and as far as I could throw him, and trust me, that short little turd, I could I could throw pretty far. But nonetheless, um, I, 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 and then I started, I remembered the name and I started reading and then started reading about him and Gallo over at, at the CDC. And during the, of course, the, the big HIV epidemic, which he touts, you know, that he was a huge part of. Yeah. What he doesn't like to tell you is uh, long before this pandemic movie, uh, and that one scientist lady who, who has come out and is now speaking, um, and, and if everything she says is true, which 100% I believe, um, she is telling the truth. I don't, I don't think she's just saying what she's saying. Even back then, I remember when I first heard about the, uh, the HIV and the AIDS epidemic, and, and to go back and see how far it actually went. It wasn't, you know, in 1984, we heard about it. Um, but, you know, then I started reading about it and going back into the seventies is when it was discovered. And, you know, we just, you know, and, and, and every scientist, especially the French at that time, because the French CDC, uh, was there, they were the end all. They, they were very brilliant scientists and they could see that this was a genetic 
manipulated virus, that this was created. Uh, There's no way this happened in nature. And, um, you know, and then those papers were demanded by by the U.S. CDC. And, uh, of course, Gallo wrote his paper and, you know, what happened, happened. Um, in the meanwhile, while all these politicized games are happening between the French and, and, the, and the U.S. And, and God knows what else, uh, millions of people die. And it's like they just don't care um, because it was more important to patent something. That's another thing, you know, I mean, why doesn't anybody look at that and say, you know, how is it, how in the world, you, you, everybody knows you cannot patent, the, the, the patent office says you cannot patent anything that naturally occurs, that occurs in nature. It has to, you know, the only, th- you can patent, however, something that utilizes nature, but that was synthesized or that was, you know, strung together that you can do. So obviously I can't, I can't put a patent on the mahogany tree, but I can build a guitar out of that mahogany wood and patent that. See, I had to manipulate it in some way and then put a patent on it. And there are patents on these viruses. I mean, all you gotta do is just go look it up in the patent office and and not just here in the U.S., okay? You, you know, patents are, are filed everywhere in the world. And, you know, you will see patents on coronavirus, on HIV, on H1N1. Uh, uh, you, you know, you see patents on this, you know? No patents on influenza. No patents on the cold virus. Well, why? Or the, no patents on herpes, uh, why? Because those are naturally occurring viruses that just happened and they've been with us for a long, long time. Remember the first time a, 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 a co-worker I worked with years ago, they came and, and, you know, they're good, good, good Christian girl, you know, and, you know, and, and everything else. And she had a cold sore and I said, oh, you have herpes. And she's like, what? And she was so offended. She was like highly, highly offended. And I said, you know, uh, cold sores are part of the, uh, I think it's called the, the H1V uh, virus. It's, it's just a virus. It just produces cold sores, but it is part of the herpes family, much like the chicken pox and, um, and shingles and everything, you know, they're all part of that family. Um, and of course, you know, I had to make her read about it. And, and when she did, and she was like, Oh my God, you were right. And I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. But I mean, those things have been with us. And I remember speaking to a doctor about that. Cause I, I remember, I thought I had a cold sore. It turned out to be a big zit. Um, <laughs> and I, I went uh, to my dermatologist and, and, uh, you know, of course he's just like looking at it and he goes, yeah, this is a zit that you just won't stop picking at. So stop picking at it. Um, but, but he told me flat out, you know, I, you know, this virus has been with us long, 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 I mean, thousands and thousands of years. And, and, uh, you think you can go back to the, you know, the ancient Greek writings and, and, uh, even, uh, the Egyptian writings. And we, we hear and we see about, um, you know, these sores and, you know, but they go away, you know, and, you know, what it is, is that that virus has just long been with us, within us. And it's, and it's in, you know, 
it's part, it's pathogen. It's part of what we are. So how is it that there are patents on these other viruses? Well, it's more than likely because they've been manipulated. Now, am I, am I saying I'm 100% right? Am I saying that I know everything? No, I don't, you know, and I could be totally wrong. And if, and please, you know, correct me if I am, but it just makes you think, it makes you go back and it makes you look at all of this and just says, Hmm, this is strange. Just like at the beginning of this whole thing, you know, in the coronavirus, coronavirus. And I remember reading that somewhere and, um, Anybody that knows me, <laughs> I'm a germaphobe. <laughs> Always carried my hand sanitizer, you know, because when I was in the casino business, you know, you meet people, you touch things, you see things, you know, you just shake hands all the time. You know, I always have hand sanitizer. And I just, you know, I've always been one of these people that just naturally that way. And then I, you know, I clean surfaces. Now, my wife, however, is the opposite. She loves everything green and, and oh, Clorox is bad. And then this is bad for you, but you know, tea tree is even more powerful tea tree oil. So we'll, we'll mix tea tree oil with uh, white vinegar and this is completely natural and it's more powerful than antimicrobial and anti, uh, viral or whatever, and kills more viruses and blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, to me, if it doesn't smell, you know, harshly, terribly chemical, then to me, it's not killing germs. So, (laughs) you know, when I smell Clorox, uh, you know, uh, I, I know I have that sense inside that even though these fumes may be eating away at my lung tissue, at least I know, hey, it's clean. There's no germs there, or at least 99.9% of them are gone. (laughs) Okay, that might be stupid. It might be idiotic, but it was the way I was raised. I was raised by a germaphobe mother, and I just, and I've always been a germaphobe. So, but all that to say this again, before this coronavirus, I remember reading, uh, I guess I'm one of those kids that read the cereal box and read everything on it from the ingredients to the listing to the FDA uh, warnings to the sugar contents to everything. I just read labels of everything and because uh, I'm a reader. And I remember reading on the Clorox wipes because I, I would just buy them at Costco and just, you know, I like them all over the house. You know, I think it's good to just, you know, just... You know, if something's a little dirty, you know, just grab a wipe, wipe it down, get the germs off. Um, and uh, I remember reading, you know, this is the list of all the viruses that it kills. And coronavirus is listed. Coronavirus was also listed on Lysol cans, which I like to keep Lysol in the house. And I went and I checked the Lysol cans and it's there. Then all of a sudden, with this pandemic happening, all the Clorox wipes disappear. Nobody has any. Oh, we're just we're just selling them out. And everything's disappearing. And I finally get a hold of a new can of Lysol. And guess what's missing? Coronavirus. I get a hold of a new canister of Clorox wipes and guess what's missing coronavirus hmm 
See, it's that kind of stuff that makes you wonder. It makes you think. It makes you go, what else is really going on? And, you know, you can't help if you were, again, if you're a reader and you love, uh, you know, George Orwell, and you read about 1984 and Big Brother and 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 this uh, this terrible society, and uh, you know they're they're always at war with Eurasia, but there is no war with Eurasia, and you know uh, and yet, yeah, but they're the people live like this, and they live on chocolate rations, and they live on you know all these I mean all these things that he wrote about then, and you can't help but like go back to it and start seeing you know. And then you go to the store and, you know, everything right there, it's, it's just listed. You know, you see eggs and, you know, limit one and now meat, you know, limit one and now chicken and limit one, you know, and it's it's the rationing. And I'm thinking to myself here in Las Vegas, all these restaurants are closed. You know, our stockpile brigade of all the food companies here in town that have freezers that are miles long, <laughs> literally freezers that are miles long, housing just tons and tons and tons of meat and food. And because the restaurants are closed, all the all the restaurants here are closed, with the exception of all the crap fast food, which again, think about that for a second. Um, so there's meat, there's food. How is there all of a sudden a meat shortage happening? Uh, But yet, ammo stores and package stores that sell booze, they're fine. And since you're going to be home, we're going to leave Home Depot open. So that way you can, at the very least, beautify your uh, garden. Uh, Just don't plant tomatoes, I guess. But you know, you can do your home improvements and take advantage of the time. Only certain stores left open, you know, but for whatever reason, one of those needs, <laughs> one of those needs is booze and uh, pot dispensaries. Hmm. I wonder where is this all going? What is really happening? It's just got to make you sit back, scratch your head, and start believing your gut. Because we already know MSM, mainstream media, is lying to us. You know, I mean, the one one agency that they say we can trust um, is, of course, Fox. Uh, but, But Fox is so leaned one way. You know, I don't like to say, to me, journalism's got to stay right in the center. And, you know, you, you report the facts as they are and let people make their own decisions. That's, that's really, you, you can't sit there with a snicker. And, and, and trust me, I like Hannity. I like, uh, you know, I, I like some of those, those, those uh, broadcasters. And, and I think that they're, uh, some of them are funny in their presentations and, and comical and things they say and the way they say it and the, the sneer and the, and the, and the, the, you know, the snickering involved, but, you know, journalism can't be presented one-sided. It has to be just very neutral. Like Lou Dobbs. He's great. 
He just presents it as it is, but he's so serious, you know. I mean, he could be talking about, you know, the the birth of his grandkid, and you know, you would never know it's a joyous event, you know. Um, but I I actually tend to get, you know, I, I got a question and I, I just don't answer uh on Facebook, but I, you know, I got a question. Well, where do you get all your news articles? You know, I read news articles from all over the world. Um and that's how I tend to gather all my news. Uh, I like to see what they're saying about us from across the pond, from across, you know, other parts of the world, because that'll tell you sometimes a lot more what's happening with us than our own media. It's really strange. It's a really strange time. So, again, we find ourselves in the midst of all of this. Uh, political? Is it sickness? Is it about really caring about the people? Uh, how do we go from 4% unemployment to now it's going to be 40%? Once once America opens up again, once we open up our doors and the businesses and everything else, there's going to be nothing to go back to for a lot of people out there. And you know it's going to go from a 4% to a 40% unemployment rate. And for what? I mean, really, honestly, for what? And they're trying to create a depression. They're trying to make us completely and totally reliant on them. And for what reason? What what agenda? Is it that we're really that stupid of sheep and we just need one globalist shepherd to watch us all and to take care of us all and decide who are the unhealthy sheep and need to be made into lamb chops. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I'll leave it at that today. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jimmy P. Brown, the second Thursday, May 14th, Fractured Brain.